Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Woohoo! I am always and forever your host, uh, Bradley Hamilton. Bradley Hamilton. That's not my name. From forever, Alaska. From the Great White North, which is no longer uh, Canada white or Canada. Uh, <laughs> it is, in fact, uh, all brown now, with lots and lots of dog poop that has made its way to the surface. Oh, so. <laughs> that is what an intro. <laughs> Uh-huh. Join with me today from the city of Chicago. We have Tommy Johnson. Uh, that's me. I'm playing uh, Hirak, the Goblin Rogue. I'm only going to be in Chicago for uh, another couple days. Well, who are who are you playing? Uh, I play. Oh, oh, cool. Wait. <laughs> who who are you playing, uh, Tommy Johnson? Uh, Lloyd, the short, stock, bearded man. Yep, definitely not Hirak. Yeah, the Goblin you called Rogue. yourself Hirak. Oh, did I? Oh, snap. <laughs> Now you can't blame us. Now you can't blame us. Wow. Exactly. I got a free pass on all the names okay. that I accidentally called. My bad. You. From Seattle, we got Matt Wolf. Hi, I play Exioc, the <laughs> Aracocra oh, Bard. Oh, gosh. I've never heard anything more correct in my life. And also <laughs> we have Jeffrey Leadham from Chicago. I play Toby, the, uh, the <laughs> mechanical cat. Uh Oh no! What have I done? What have I done? You started something that you cannot take back. I know. And joining us today for the first time, we have a podcast guest. Yay! Joining us. Oh yeah, we have the 2010 G List YouTube celebrity, the real Slim Shady, the Mega Miner himself, the one and thankfully only Casey McCoy from Elgin. (laughs) This podcast is canceled. Canceled. From Elgin, Illinois, a subsidiary of Chicago, where fun goes to die. You trying to dox me? Uh, his address and social security. Oh my number. word! <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, Casey. We are so happy to have you here. Yeah, is this, Casey. Is this like SNL? It was a pleasure to be here up until like thirty seconds ago. So good. <laughs> well, I got a kick out of it. So <laughs> there's that. Indeed. Hey guys, we are so excited to be here in week three of launch time and Ooh. all the energy that's coming in. We even have fan art, which yes, is honestly mind-blowing, but really, really cool, fun stuff going on there that is probably going to be really old hat by the time this episode comes out, but we're excited about it now. Hey, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into the recap because that is what everyone's here for. So last time on Fire and Dice, our adventurers were stuck in the center of the Arrogat Desert in the bowl that is there as a central swirling storm of dust energy, always contained within the center of the Arrogat Desert. You were joined by Nikki Mub, who gave you an ultimatum of either help him or find your own way out of the desert, basically. You decided after a little bit of conferring to join him, and somehow a tea kettle was involved in that process. Uh... <laughs> You guys left uh, the sanctuary, leaving Melstoni behind, and went to the wall of sand that provide the barrier that leads into the storm of the desert. Uh, Nikki Mub led you through uh, for several hours on a downward incline, leading to darkness and what you guys had no idea really what you were getting yourselves into. As you guys descended into darkness, you saw a pair of glowing beady eyes that come came out of the darkness all too familiar and 
had to do some pretty crazy maneuvers in order to skirt around these giant sand elementals that were berating you from both sides. Uh, through quick thinking from Hirak and a couple of really, really lucky rolls and some smart playing, you guys managed to make it past those giant creatures and into the tower that Nicky Mub had been leading you towards. Uh, you gathered your forces. Hirak showed off a new spell that he got. Shout out to Matt. And boy. you guys uh, recuperated your senses and started traveling upwards through the ancient ruined tower. As you got closer to the top, the ground started becoming less and less stable. You felt your body start to get lighter as you went further upward, as gravity seemed to start having uh, no bearing on your uh, physical forms. Eventually, after Exioc had tried tying himself up, you were all floating in a stormy, sand-filled, blue-tinted abyss that led upwards into the surrounding storm until surprisingly and out of nowhere a eruption of arcane and elemental energy surrounded all of you blinding you momentarily and then gravity took hold again you felt your feet slam back onto the ground as all of you touched down into a different plane of existence a different world looking around you saw streaks of purple in the sky different colored uh, sand floating mountains and peaks uh, off in the distance and immediately Exioc tackled Nicky Mub to the ground out of frustration. Nicky Mub had no idea what was going on and after a uh, muffled conversation, Nicky Mub caught a figure standing not but 20 feet away from you, a humanoid figure with tree trunk-like legs covered in small pebbles with dark, almost charcoaled color skin, jet black hair that ran past his shoulders and on his back, a wicked curved double-sided uh, great axe. You looked at him, and he looked at you, and that is where we ended last episode. All right. Uh, I'm going to get off of Rummy Cub. What's his name? Nicky Mob. <laughs> and so I'm going to – I'm going to – I had him by the collar. I'm going to drop him to the ground and step menacingly towards uh, this unknown figure with drawing out a dagger in hand. I say, don't you come any closer. State your name. I draw out the double-sided axe that's slung across my back, and I hold it firmly in front of me with both hands. Tommy, you're not disguised right now. Oh, I am. I what you see is a is a short, like four foot tall, beard, gray bearded man with holding a dagger, hood up. Okay, that was contingent. In um, in primordial, I go. We mean no harm. What do they call you? And before I can get a word out to the bearded short man in front of me. I'm taken aback by the primordial tongue that I instinctively know. And I just look at you quizzically. Yeah, me too. I'm freaked out. <laughs> what the? Yeah, primordial is a very guttural. Oh, yeah. Like chest filled kind of tongue. Kind of like uh, orcish from the Lord of the Rings. I, after a few moments of pause, respond back to... Jeffrey, what's the character? Uh, Marcus. <laughs> Marcus. Yeah. And I say to Marcus, what brings you to these lands? I just point to Nicky Mub. I go, we were seeking safe passage, or passage and uh, a disturbance was in our way. We followed it here, and I don't know how we got here, but we're here now. We have not had visitors in these parts for generations. 
state your business. The name's Lloyd, and I just want to go back. I, I just want to go back. I start uh, kind of like stamping my feet and like uh, uh, like scratching my head and uh, and just frustration and confusion. Uh, you see Nikki Mub takes this opportunity to get out from underneath you. Nikki Mub is a squat little gnome figure dressed in uh, loincloth type rags uh, that cover his body and a scarf that would uh, cover his face for sand purposes. But you see there's a little twinkle in his eye. And uh, he hurriedly gets up and starts going around, kind of ignoring what's going on here for a second and just kind of scratching at the multicolored sand that's on the ground, playing it within his fingers. As he gets up and starts moving around, I kind of focus my gaze to him with my axe starting to raise a little bit. Uh, at that, I, I, it catches my, his movement catches my attention and I stop like my pacing and I, and I state at him again, don't you come any closer. I gotta, I gotta think. Yeah, listen, stranger, we, we're not here maliciously. We, we, we are accidentally here and we just want to get out of your hair as much as, as you want us to get out of your hair. Hirok, uh, do you have feathers exposed? I know you said you have bandages, but. Uh, yeah, I have feathers exposed. That's like my skin, but my, my wings are, are bound on my back. Uh, now that you are speaking and my attention is caught by you, I notice your feathers and I'm taken aback and I almost raise my axe even more instinctively and say, And have her real? In these parts? I'm just so confused. Wait, what, what, what did he say now? Translate. <laughs> <clears throat> Avariel. I think he's talking about, uh, my, I mean, not my parents, but my race comes from you know, the, what I assume is the equivalent of this place, but the sky version. I don't know if they get along too well, the ground and the sky, but being a bird person, that's just kind of how, where we came from. Again, I'm not personally from there, so. I, I don't mean to be presumptuous. Uh, Mr. Rockman, do you speak uh, common? Do you speak common i thought we'd been speaking in common ever since uh tommy, po- since piped tommy up. popped in, uh... <laughs> oh i thought you were speaking in primordial <laughs> i thought that as well until tommy started speaking until, in. Uh, i don't, I don't <laughs> speak primordial oh N- nikki Mub still says it <laughs> <laughs> you daft creature Oh, hey, hey, I don't mean no offense. We're just not used to people speaking in weird uh, tongues where I uh, come from and, you know, not covered in rocks neither. Well, I don't like creatures trespassing in these lands, associating with them from across the path of shale. The path of what now? Oh, you better watch your mouth. I start, I start at him if anyone wants to hold me back. No, Toby jumps on you and holds you back. Uh, okay, so I get I easily get tackled by the cat. That's fine. Yeah, you see a mechanical cat that has uh, a copper lining around its stomach pounce onto this weird little green creature and tackle it to the ground. Yeah, so I assumed that Casey was ta- that. Uh, wait, what's your? Oh, we don't know your name. Casey's character was talking at me. I was just talking at the group. Yeah. Okay, that's why I figured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That triggered something. But now I'm uh, uh, grappled on the ground. Mr. Sir, I don't mean to be intrusive, but we do seem to be particularly lost, and uh, you do seem to be a inhabitant of these parts, and it might be befitting for you to uh, help us out of danger. 
Me and my people are not so easy to trust. My father will make judge of you. Marcus, get this thing off of me! Uh, it starts to, like, uh, kind of vibrate as if it was going to purr, but it's just, it just, like, has a vibrate function that's just on top of you. I'm just like, nah, calm down. You're fine. Marcus! I'm just struggling. Yeah, uh, Toby is just purring on top of you. <laughs> Eventually he does get off and you can manage to get back to your feet. All right, I'll be, I'll be calm. Just you, don't go insulting me and my people again. And I, I'll sheath my dagger with that. Which dagger did you pull out? Uh, my yellow one. Not the fancy one. The l- slightly less fancy one. Okay. okay. My character pipes up and says, I will lead you through these wastes to the town of Obsidia. That's what my people have called it. For generations. What can you assure me of to know that you mean no harm? You just gotta go on my word. I wouldn't trust that as far as I can throw it. Uh, I look at Mark this despondently. Gotta be honest with you. I ain't got nothing. You could roll persuasion at me or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Go ahead and roll persuasion check, Ixiok. Me? You're the one who's trying to convince him. I'm not. I'm just. I don't know. Oh, I'm just talking. I'll, I'll, I'll pipe up. I'll say. Um, <laughs> I'll say. Hurex says. I um, rolled. The, okay. Look, you talk and then I'll tell you. <laughs> We're willing to go along with what you're saying. Like we're, we're willing to cooperate with you. We're not trying to fight, you know, or or coerce or try to do anything bad. We're just trying to get out of here. If that means anything, we're trying. We're trusting you so that you trust us. Uh, I rolled a crit fail. <laughs> uh, Seventeen total. Okay. Do you want me to do an opposed charisma check, Brad? It was more of like a set a number that they had to kind of hit and I'd say like a 15 would be around the difficulty of it so yeah <laughs> nice um I mean yeah that's how I'd consider it but. sure I uh kind of crack my neck a bit and a bit of dust and mud speckles kind of brush off and fall down off the side of my shoulders and I say these wastes are unforgiving sinkholes open up and swallow adventurers whole Stand at least five feet behind me. And I turn around and start walking. I, I, I I'm hesitant along. to follow. I follow closely behind. I'll go last. I'll take. I'll do the five feet that he suggested, but I'm right there. Sure. Uh, Nikki Mub trails behind as well. Would you like me to roll survival? Uh, yes, please. And as he turns around, you guys see that slung on his back, not only is there the great axe that is diagonal across his shoulder, but there's also a uh boulder like almost looking like a dumbbell thing that is uh at his waist and it, it like in the real world would be like whoa does he just like bring a dumbbell around to lift and like you're not quite <laughs> sure what it is but he also has a sack on the side of his other side that is almost like a woven basket and it, it looks to be pretty darn empty like there's not a lot of weight to it as he moves around and that's just passive perception things that you guys pick up on. Uh, go ahead. And, what's that survival roll? Was a fat ten. That's with fat modifiers. <laughs> okay, and this is Uh-oh. with advantage because you have lived here for so long. That's and with advantage. Are, this, is, this is familiar territory to you. Still, ten is the best. <laughs> All right. You start leading them along. The 
path of rocks that you are so accustomed to is laid out in front of you and you know that there are certain parts where you have to jump over from rock to rock in order to avoid the sinkholes. As you are going through and getting closer and closer to your destination, everyone else can see that you guys are moving in the direction of the mountains that are off in the distance. The peaks get closer and closer as you guys are walking through. You follow closely behind this weird rock creature for about two hours or so and feel like you are not making a ton of progress in doing so. And from your perspective uh, up front, Casey, you know that this is because you forgot which way the safe way was. So you're looking for the secure footholds and it's not the direct path, but it's a path that will lead you there. So from your point of view, this should have only taken an hour to get back, but it's a solid four hours of traversing through here. As you guys are traveling through, you look up expecting to see some sort of passage to let you know uh, how long you've been traveling other than your internal clock, but the sky looks exactly the same as from when you first landed and arrived. Any conversations that you guys want to have during this four-hour trek, uh, you can go ahead and take place now. Oh, I immediately start asking questions from our new our newfound friend. <laughs> Acquaintance. Yes. Uh, I'm just fascinated and uh, very excited about all of this, you know, a whole new world of... Uh, Elemental magic powers is very alluring to my brain. So I asked him uh, if he was expecting us where we arrived or how he happened to coincide in that place. And if so, what was he doing in this place? What is the culture? What is the... I'm just trying to understand life on this rock planet. You and your lot were the last thing I was hoping to find out in the wastes. My village has enough problems as it is. We, uh, are in the business of solving problems. Maybe we could actually be of use to you in your village. Perhaps. My father is very wise. He will determine that. Respect for your elders. I write that down in a little journal. <laughs> <laughs> Been, like, taking uh, notes on the things that I'm he just, says. I'm just silently fuming in the back. I want to talk to Nicky Mub while they're talking to each other. Sure. Uh, I want to ask him, uh, Nicky Mub, I kind of want to keep it on, you know, a little bit quiet, but do you know why, do you know much about the planes and the interactions between them? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't much have a rat's toot idea of what's going on around here. <laughs> as far as I know, uh, the elemental planes exist just outside of the primaterial plane that we know as you get Sira, and... Uh, I think there's four, maybe there's more, maybe there's, uh, there's at least four. I know that much for sure. And uh, they all are kind of primal energies that exist. And apparently this one is earth. And I don't know which ones are close to here or uh, how we're supposed to get home at all either. So can I, I would like to hear that. <laughs> go ahead and roll perception check. Okay. I want to, I, I want to respond to that. If I can. Uh, nine. Hirok has pulled Nicky Mub a little further behind and well, you don't quite make it out. To be well, fair, I, had... I don't think I would keep it a secret from Exarch. I'm mostly trying to keep it from our new rock friend whose name I don't know yet. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that makes you. So do flag, I. But... So do I hear, hear him say that he doesn't know how to I'm get gonna back? I'm going to say because you're fuming, you don't hear it. Okay. 
That's fine. <laughs> I'm just lost in my thoughts. I just, I have so many things that I want to do back where we were that I can't anymore, and I'm very upset about it. I do think mm-hmm. that also on this trip, I would be uh, writing down distinct landmarks that I noticed on our way back, or sure. uh, things to try to, you know, be able to, if necessary, navigate our own way back. Right. Back to what? There was nothing. Yeah, looking behind you, you see that these planes that you're on with sparse little rocks dotted that you've been jumping from place to place to are pretty darn barren. Every once in a while, you'll see a fainted and withered tree that you come across, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's no fruit on it whatsoever, and it looks very out of place in these wastes, almost like seeing a tree in the middle of the desert. And every once in a while, you'll come across a large section of terrain that is very flat as opposed to the rocky juttings that are surrounding it. And uh, just as part of an experiment, I would say your character would probably take a little something, something and chuck it into that little flat plane instead of stepping into it. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. All right. So you take uh, a little bobble like a coin, uh, a copper out of your purse and chuck it into the center of it and you see it rests on the top but then slowly starts uh, breaking the surface tension and falls beneath and you're like oh okay that's a sinkhole well i'll know to avoid that one. <laughs> i hear the mumbles of an angry uh exiac behind me <laughs> i just I just turn around and give him a small smirk and continue going my brow furrows. I also want to talk to. I also want to talk to Marcus while he's. All right, Nikki Mub doesn't offer a ton of insight, so you uh, go ahead and walk up closer to Marcus. Marcus, I know that it's so cool and so fun that we're in this new fun place, <laughs> but remember, I don't think we can stay here very long. I think that our main goal here is to not be here. I think we need to get out as soon as possible. Learn what you can. I don't want to keep you from, you know, I know this is your whole shtick, but <laughs> just keep that in mind. We don't want to, you know, get stuck here. <laughs> Would I hear that, Brad? I'd say probably, yeah. Well, I guess maybe that's a question I should ask Matt. <laughs> um, I guess I was trying to keep it discreet, but I'm also not like, I'm not like casting message or anything. If you hear it, right. you hear it. it. I'm just not anything that you're not allowed to hear, if that makes sense. Yeah. With f- five feet away and not else much else going on, I'd say you would probably end up hearing it. Then I say, you are stuck here. And <laughs> I just keep on walking. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good to know. Uh... All right. All right, Marcus, don't, never mind. Forget what I said. Just do all the research you want now. <laughs> can I, can I? Did I hear that one, or am I too far back? <laughs> this oh. is like a game of who hears what. <laughs> yeah, we're just playing telephone. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Mug is at the back just saying, oh, I think he said something about a squirrel. <laughs> just keep walking. I, I reassure Hirak and I go, whatever brought us here is something that can also bring us out. I don't exactly know how it works or what it was, but given enough time, I think we'll be okay. Sure hope so. It means that we might be here longer than we would like, but we will not be here forever. Sorry if you take my enthusiasm for all this new information as glee, but... uh, No, I I understand how... I know you're excited. I'm just saying that 
I know that Elaine is on the other side. And I just, I don't want, you know. I don't need you reminding me what beats beyond. Thank you, good sir. And I coldly shrug him off. Ooh, guys, look over here. There's a bush. <laughs> I write it down in the notebook as a sign. <laughs> now, this right here is a rare specimen. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, is he getting pulled into something? He stops the group momentarily and goes over to the bush. It's got little uh, purple leaves that come out of the twigs. And it's like almost a circular brain coral type of bush that is very otherworldly. And I'm going to say, Casey, go ahead and give me a nature check. (laughs) It's not going to be good. (laughs) Can I do a nature check? (laughs) Nine. Yeah, but what are you going to know? I don't know. I like this (laughs) stuff. You have never bothered to check this uh, type of plant out before, so you don't really know one way or another what's going to happen if he looks at it. Oh, snap. As he kind of veers away from the group, though, I would say, Mm -hmm. little one, stay on the path. Uh, Go ahead and give me an intimidation check. There's not a path. We're just walking in circles. (laughs) 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 That's an 18. Uh, Nicky Mubbs stops in his tracks and puts his head down and kind of files back in. You see, actually, his form shifts down to a cat. And uh, it's it's like a fat tabby cat that just kind of puts its head down and saunters along behind you guys. What? What? There's a, I can't. I can't take any mark. Uh, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I said Toby. I, I said Toby to give uh, a Exiac the uh, the help action to calm him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see Toby instantly like digs his claws into the ground and arches his back and just goes <laughs> just like a more mechanical grr whirring sound. Uh, <laughs> and Nicky Mub uh, twirls around and you just hear yeah. uh, Casey. You just I don't know what you would react to that at all. I'm mostly trying to ignore them, kind of for the most part. I'm just mad. Just mad. I've been around the block, but this is too much for me. <laughs> Eventually, uh, Nicky Mub reverts his form and just uh, follows along with the rest of you guys. Uh, eventually, you guys make your way to the very base of the floating peaks. The mountains rise up jaggedly out of the ground. The plains start turning into foothills, which start turning into craggy edges as the rock turns from dusted sands of multiple colors into sheer faces of rock. You see scattered into these cliffs all different kinds of rock. You see a variation of marble uh, strains with some uh, shimmering substances within them as well, but then there's black jagged pieces that come out, and it almost looks like a pastel painting of rock that it uh, composes each of these uh, peaks that rise up. As they go up a thousand feet uh, or more, the as they're looming over you, you can see there are little bits and chunks of mountain that have broken away from the tops and are gently floating around in the mist uh, close to the uh, cloud line up in the sky. And they eventually cast a shadow on top of you as you walk between these 500 
ton boulders that are just levitating hundreds of feet above your head and uh, Casey's character leads you through without uh, so much as a glance upward but this is a terrifying experience for the rest of you yeah my mouth is like wide open mm -hmm. staring up uh, Hirak, you feel something tug onto your wing behind you. You turn around and you see Nikki Mub just like aimlessly looking up and grabbing at you for support as you're walking through here. Casey, you lead them through the base of this until you guys see there is a piece of obsidian black rock that juts out of the earth, almost like a spike reaching upwards. And you know that you have arrived here at your village. Once we get Within a moderate distance of the edge of the village, I turn around, spin at them, and say, Wait here. Don't get wait here. I'll just All right, we'll, we'll do that. And he has you wait, like, right underneath one of the floating peaks as well. <gasps> Unsettling. Now, do we have to wait here? That thing is going to drop on us at any minute. <laughs> He's already gone by the time you said that. I'm talking to Hirak. Uh, after about an hour of waiting, you see the stoic form of whoever this rock person is come back to you and trailing behind you see a much, much shorter, similar looking rock figure that uh, is about your side, Exioc. And he is just peering behind the corner of the uh, jagged, 20-foot-tall piece of obsidian that marks the entrance to this uh, village. Uh, Casey, your character walks back towards the group. And when I'm walking with my father, I have a little bit of conversation that the group would pick up on beforehand. So I just have something to the effect that says, <clears throat> no fruit on the brandle trees, just these problem solvers. And I gesture, <laughs> and I gesture to the group. I, I nod at Marcus, like, <laughs> like smugly. Nice, we got a title. <laughs> I do a tip of the fedora. Turning around the corner after uh, Casey's character, you see there is another rock creature, a third one, that looms probably a foot and a half taller than Casey's character, who is Holy. a good six, six feet tall. This guy is seven and a half feet tall as he turns around the corner and as he walks towards you, the little pebbles that surround your feet shake a little bit with each footstep. This is a massive creature and his eyes are also uh, piercing purple with jet black hair. He looks just like a slightly older, taller version of the person that you first encountered here. And he turns the corner and uh, folds his arms and says, well, that's unfortunate, but it is your job as the protector and defender and harvester of this village to seek out the trees. They are only source, and I will not accept anything less. Do you see this one? And I point at Hirok. You see he gives a start and reaches for a maul that's on his side and says, An avaria. Exactly. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. This, this, this guy, he's never heard a fly. <laughs> In Primordial, I address the father. Or a worm! Uh, and I, I say, we understand that we are intruders in your land. Uh, we did not mean to come here. It was by a freak accident in our own world. We want to get back in any way we can, and we would appreciate help. But we don't expect you to help us without us doing anything in return. Go ahead and give me a persuasion check. 
Persuasion. Minus one. Uh, Thirteen. Ah. <laughs> you see this tall, towering figure looks down at you and his eyes narrow until you just see purple slits. He, he says, how did you come to know the language of the ancients? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> he says this in common. I was going to say, is this in primordial or common? That's a great Sorry. question, Marcus. How did you come to learn the language of the ancients? <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Mo probably says it too, frustrated his whole life's work is just <laughs> absorbed mm-hmm. by this one random guy. Part of my growing up, I've studied the ways of old and been acquiring knowledge of the ancient ways for as long as I can remember. And it's given me special abilities and things that I can accomplish. Uh, I find Primordial to be quite useful in studying the ways of old. Uh, and in doing... While I'm saying this, I'm having Toby just kind of, like, walk around me and like jump on my shoulder. Legs. Yeah. Nice. You see his eyes fixate on Toby, and you hear him say, Tori, are, are you an artificer? That is my title, Yes. You see he takes a look at Casey's character and gives a look at him of, like, what have you done? <laughs> Do I pick up on this look? Uh, insight. Yeah. Insight. Uh, four. Nope. <laughs> Dang it, we're doomed. <laughs> I try and pull my father kind of aside and outside of the hearing of the rest of the group i try and say in primordial they have proven themselves trustworthy so far they could be useful useful how we're desperate no we are fine nothing is wrong nothing the village is starving the village has stores we have enough to make it through the season i've seen the brandle trees have you i have been tending to other things here in the village well then, lend me Marcel. Lend me somebody. I cannot risk losing another member of this village. We have lost too many as it is. I kind of just break the aside out of anger. At the end of this conversation, Marcus, you've been picking up on all of this. But as they've been talking, the small uh, earth figure that was peeking around the corner sees his opportunity and runs up next to you, Exioc. You see he is like a much smaller child version of uh, Casey's character. And uh, just kind of looks up and down at you. And he says, why are you gray? I, d- what do you, what do you mean? Any normal look, looking old man would, would have gray skin. By the time you said this, he's already on to Hirak. And he says, oh, are you an Avario? Um, I have feathers. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a bird. Wow. I, I didn't know you guys were real. That's incredible. I can't wait until my older brother hears about this. As real as unicorns, I guess. <laughs> You're funny. Hey, look what look what I can do. And he goes over to the face of the cliff, the base of this mountain where you guys are at, and just takes a fist and punches it into the wall. And you see above you, there's like a mini avalanche of rock that starts coming down towards you guys. No, no, no. I roll knowledge of what this kid's name is. <laughs> I would presumably um, know his name, but who is this? Yeah, this is Lobber. Okay. 
uh, once he acts out like that and you're like him going up and uh, inspecting the problem solvers didn't catch my gaze but with with that I say lobber back in the village immediately he turns and hightails it back to the village uh, but the rocks are still coming towards you guys <laughs> no no I, I'm moving out of the way as soon as the first rumble has started <laughs> yeah I would I would move out of the way I would like to calmly move out of the way though. Nope, I'm moving. I'm, I'm not running. I'm not calm about this. <laughs> After being crushed by a rock monster no less than 20 minutes ago, well, I guess a couple hours ago, but I am uh I'd I'm like out to of think the way. That, like I can I can like tell where some of the rocks are going, so I'm just going to be like I'm just going to be between these two that are going to fall and it'll be fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Nicky Mubs form diminishes into a rat and he scurries up uh, Hirok's shoulder and just kind of rests there as you guys all run away from this rock pile. You see the older Earth figure take a deep breath and go, ah, the children. Someone needs to keep an eye out on them. I understand how you feel. Uh, I say that in Primordial, but then I look back at Exiok. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I say they are welcome to come into the village, but they must not eat and they must not speak to anyone until we get to the bottom of why they are here. As you say, father. I turn to I turn to the uh, problem solvers and I put uh, my left hand in a fist and I have my right hand um, with the palm open, kind of like this, doing it on video. I bow at the party and I say, I am Mason. Welcome to Obsidia. I start walking in. Nice to meet you, Mason. Name's Lloyd. <laughs> I, start, uh, I start I start. Uh, walking with a little swagger. Mm. As you guys turn the corner and make your way past this jagged 20-foot tall piece of obsidian that almost looks like a tooth coming out of the ground, you enter into a gap that uh, leads you downward into almost like a uh, crater that is formed here right at the base of the mountains. Around this tiny village, you see jagged obsidian spikes sticking up in all directions, almost like a toothy maw of black that comes and encircles, giving a shade of uh, protection around the village, but also almost looking like it's about to clench down on it. And... Uh, looking up, you see that there's not much of a light gap that comes down from the sky, and that other than this little gap here, this place is mostly obscured and hidden. As you guys descend into the village, the houses themselves, what you would expect to be just made out of stone, have a little bit more taste to them. Uh, especially as you get closer, you can see a couple of these other purple-eyed rock figures uh, going about and tending to things. You see someone sweeping a pathway in the center. You see someone else, uh, a female that, by the looks of it, sitting down and weaving a basket together. But uh, Marcus, especially what catches your eye is each of these houses is built in a kind of square pyramid style. Uh, where the top doesn't come to a point, but the base of it is tri- or a square that comes to another square above it, almost like a three-dimensional trapezoid. And underneath each of these bases, you see thick iron bands that come into a spiral shape, almost like springs that sit underneath the houses and uh, little passage or stairways that lead up into each of the doorways. Uh, in the center of town, there is one large uh, pyramidal shape that the 
uh, chief is leading you towards. As you guys continue on and you are garnering stares from everybody that you pass by and people are murmuring to each other, not really sure what's going on here. And uh, you see the chief puts up a hand and uh, stays everyone's comments until you guys get inside of this first chamber. As you guys enter into here, you see on the left and right, there are scrapes and markings on the walls of runes and different images depicting creatures and stick figures that are in war with each other, almost like Neanderthal paintings, but they are carved into the wood. And so there's that on the walls, but on the ground, you see mechanical devices that are rusted and look very, very old. So a weird contrast between those two. Is this where we're stopping? This is where you're stopping. You see there's a large high-backed chair with rock outcroppings uh, all around it, almost like it's built out of different types of stone that has a weird slick texture along uh, each of the rails that the chief turns and sits down and gives out like a deep, <sighs> as if like, I'm too old for this crap kind of thing. Have you ever seen anything like this, bird boy? Nope. I look, I look around suspiciously at all the people staring back. Can I do some kind of like stealthy arcana check on the runes and or the mechanical elements that I see? Uh, go ahead. Uh, it's a total of 22. Nice. Ooh. The images don't seem to bear a lot of significance from a magic standpoint, but you recognize the type of model of the weird scraps that are on the ground as the remnants of mechanical devices that were once created a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Mm. and uh, they've just kind of been pushed off to the side and as the chief sits down on the back of the chair you hear a voice come from behind the chair that says oh father you've returned home i'm I'm so happy to see that you guys have gotten back oh uh hey uh brother anything outside of the walls did you find any fruit uh do we do we have food and you see a thin slender type of earth creature step around the side and he's got uh what almost look like bifocals on that look very out of place on his rock face but very uh like benjamin franklin style harry potter glasses that kind of stand out on his face and he's wearing a smock and you see he's got some tools in his belt as well and i say marcel it's good to see you after quite an experience we only found this lot and I point to the group. Uh, oh my, that that is a rare find indeed. Hey, maybe they can help you with your problem that you've been talking about. Have you been able to speak to Father about it? And <sighs> as he says that, Brimstone looks down at you and says, We will not discuss this any further, Marcel. Please go outside. There's a moment of tension between uh, Brimstone and Marcel where it's almost like a moment held in time and space until Marcel drops his head and walks outside. Now, down to business. I open my mouth, but I don't know what to say, so I'm going to be like, ah. Yes, creature, speak. I, I look to Very I look to Marcus. Way to show her. I turn around and give you the most evil glare I've ever done in my life. Well, you weren't wow. saying nothing. I say right at him. It was, the, it was their turn to speak. Oh, my God. I look at, at Hirak, like, so confused, like, what is this guy saying? I mean, it was their turn to speak. He was about to say something. When he says, let's get done to business, he usually, you know, 
as somebody to say. Your father turns to you and says, I can't take this. Who are these insolent creatures? Father, you are wise. I was expecting you to know more about it. These are not in the stories that have been passed down. Again, you know more than I. Indeed. Now, travelers to our lands, we are prepared to offer you shelter for the evening, but we cannot offer any more. You must find your own way and your own travels through our lands. We cannot risk having strangers within our borders. We appreciate the hospitality. Even though it's short-lived, it still means a lot. Has anything like this ever happened before? I do not know what you mean. When was the last time you had visitors? Not in my lifetime, nor in the lifetime before mine. The only creatures that we encounter around here are the evil ones. The ones that we avoid, the ones that have taken those who we love from us. Well, we ain't no evil ones. (laughs) Bluff check. What are these evil ones like? (laughs) They are known by many names. The genies, the Tao, the malpresence. It was them who cursed us here and bound us to this plane long ago. But Hmm. we have made a life here, and we are quite happy living here, indeed. We have a sustainable way of life, but unfortunately our resources nourish only us, and we cannot spare any for outsiders. We don't need to eat any of your food. We We can take care of ourselves. You said these genies cursed you? It is not something that we speak often of. Well, pardon my uh, intrusiveness, but I believe that might have something to do with the fact that we are here. See, our land was cursed as well, and we set off to find and extinguish this curse. We successfully made it past the barriers and gates on our end to try to find answers beyond, and that's when we arrived here. And I kind of... How did he know all that? I pipe in the conversation. I'm currently leaning up against one of the walls with my uh, arms folded, and I respond to Jeffrey's character, saying, And what lands do you hail from? And I kind of gesture, almost like I'm fishing for your name. I'm Marcus of Yetzira. Uh Would I have any kind of, like, parchment or... Uh... You know, any kind. I don't think I'd have a map of Yetzir or anything like that. Nah, probably not. Um, but uh-huh. I'd like to try to explain it as just the the plane of existence that we are from. It's very different from here. It's one where uh, all elements of the Arcana can coincide. Hmm. I never thought of it that way. Brimstone turns to you, and in Primordial says to Mason. Is this where the adventurers, our forefathers, came from? I must consult with the village members, but if the stories are true, I suppose. I see. What skills do you have? Oh, skills? I got lots of skills. I can show you my uh, skills. Unsheath uh, the tendril whip from my arm, and it just pulls out. Like, it just slaps out of my arm. I'm, like, twirling a dagger in my fingers. I'm like, I got knife skills. I got... I got skills that can get you places. I got skills that can get you into places that you probably shouldn't be. <laughs> and I like do a little do a little flip with the knife as it goes over my head, and I catch it in the other hand. I, I play soft music while he does that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have their weapons out. I get I get my liar. I see. I, I I come in handy in a pinch. Hmm. Stay the nights, and we will see what the council decides in the morning. 
That is all I will say for today. Mason, make sure that they are fed and watered. Yes. I ain't no horse. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I... Gosh dang it. I'm, I'm writing that quote down. <laughs> I tell I tell I Toby no to uh, to grapple to grapple Exiac's mouth specifically. Why I <laughs> I say I said yes, Father. <laughs> uh, as you guys leave the room, Brimstone collapses back into his chair and just lets out a heavy sigh and falls asleep uh, almost instantaneously. What the? Mm-hmm. I start leading them to a presumed guest house. Yeah, as soon as you walk outside the door. You see Marcel is standing right there. He's dropping in and he says, hey, uh, I I couldn't over, help but over here, brother. Uh, it d- does seem like they need uh, a little bit of assistance in getting situated here. You mind if I just, you know, take the reins and show them around? Yes, of course, Marcel. I'm going to rest. Thank you. Of course, of course. And he walks over and grabs uh, your arm, Marcus. And Mm -hmm. specifically takes you and leads you guys along the path to a house that doesn't look very large, but appears to be vacant. He says, now, uh, here's the thing. Uh, I am uh, technically of line Bartuk, but, you know, I got some Tori in me as well. And here's the thing. Uh, I know that you are someone that likes to deal with mechanical things. Are you, you're an artificer, right? I I think Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I uh, have been trying to learn a bit of mechanical stuff and trying to teach myself. No no one around here has really been trying to learn that kind of thing. And so uh, I I I took it upon myself to— Knowledge is power, good friend. Oh, I, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I totally 100% agree with you. Uh, my my father doesn't seem to think so, but I think that th- this is the way. And, uh, you know, I, no one else looks over the structures around here uh, as well as I do. So uh, someone just can't. Oh, oh, wait. No, here it comes. Uh, as he says that, you guys feel the ground underneath you start shaking. It starts really subtly, but eventually the earth begins doing like a push back and forth, almost like you're standing on top of a wave and the ground underneath you swells and goes up and down and rocks start tumbling around and causing a mini landslide filling up the streets uh, of the town. And you look around expecting all the houses to give in, but you see all of them move in the wave pattern, not even cracking a little bit and retaining their full shape as the earthquake passes through. Uh, everybody go ahead and give me a strength saving throw, except for Casey. <laughs> oh. Three. That 20. Uh, zero. <laughs> I couldn't failed. Uh, Again. Exioc and Marcus and Nikki Mum all fall flat on their backs. Toby gets a 10. Uh, Toby also falls over. And uh, Hirok, you manage to ride it out somehow. And <laughs> you see all of the earth creatures around you plant their feet and ride out the wave as it passes. It takes about a minute or so for it to finally get over. None of you take any damage from this. And you look up and all of the encroaching obsidian walls that form the uh, base around here seemed to not have broken at all either. Mm. Marcel looks at you guys and says, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I really am sorry about that one. We're, we're really used to that around here, and our houses are pretty well designed uh, to withstand that kind of thing. But every once in a while, they break a little bit, and you know, someone has to be around that knows how to fix them. And I figured maybe you could teach me a thing or two about structural integrity and that kind of thing. 
I'm a bit tired from my journey, but in the few hours that we have before No rest, worries. I'd no worries whatsoever, to... friend. No, that's totally fine. I understand. Uh, my brother here. I would like to venture that uh, I have something to teach you, but I'm sure you have some knowledge of this place that I would be interested in as well. Oh, for sure. You know, I've never really been too far outside of Obsidia, kind of born and bred and raised here. But, you know, my brother over here, he knows all about the outside, and he can tell you wonderful stories about the world that we live in here. Isn't that right? I feel like I'm too far away, right? <laughs> or am I trailing behind them? He, like, shouts it out at you. Doesn't matter how far away you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interacting with one of the villagers, just making small talk. And I go... I. You know, catches my ear and I go, yeah, yes. <laughs> go back to whatever I was doing. Okay. Very nice. Marcel keeps talking to you and says, all right, here's the thing. My brother has been telling me about how we don't have any food left. But my father won't listen. And now we need to figure out some way to take care of the situation. And I don't want to get my foot involved in anything because my father kind of doesn't respect me or anything that I do. But here's the thing. <laughs> if you guys took a trip with my brother it's very possible that we might be able to save our little village here. Now, I'm not the one that's going to bring up the situation, and uh, I don't want to press anything, but I feel like maybe that could be a win-win situation for everybody here. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Uh, anyway, uh, here's your house. Uh, it's not much, but it'll do. Uh, the earthquakes are going to keep you up all night, but uh, beyond that, it shouldn't be too much of an issue for you guys to live here. Uh, we got uh, some warm clothes for you and uh, no food, but, you know, that's uh, we're not exactly used to having visitors around here as it is. So uh, thank, thank, thank you. Okay, bye. And he just walks out the door. Uh, Boy, that guy, that guy talks too much. I immediately pull over Exioc and I go, pretty sure the only way out of here is uh, to venture to find one of these evil ones that they speak of. If the opportunity comes, don't take my enthusiasm lightly. I'm going to need you to be on board. I'm also going to need your help convincing the uh, the gray one over there. You know, the last time that, that we went towards some sort of danger... We ended up here. So I don't know if that's really the best idea. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? We could end up here again. <laughs> then at least we tried something. Okay. You make a good point. I'm fine with trying things. But I'm not going to be happy about it. I expect so. Just do me a favor. Mm, depends on what it is. Keep your mouth shut when we're around them. What? Fine. But if he goes blabbering on about my people again... Okay, okay. You know, Lloyd, it is really uh, Osirema who loves all of his creations equally and individually, and I consider you a special person. Yeah, well... I don't... I. There's no but. That was just a cute thing he said. You should just say thanks. Well... I'll look at him. He's all flustered. He doesn't know what to say. Oh, that is the cutest thing I have ever seen. You just keep you just keep it to yourself. I don't need any of that feel good nonsense to make me feel better. All I want to do is get back to where I came from. Well, hey, if we just ride out this wave here, maybe we'll get back, Mr. Bridgey Pants. I uh go over to the bed and I lay down on the bed and I turn towards the wall in a in a presumptuous pout kind of posture. <laughs> oh, he's having a fit. We'll just let him be for now, I suppose. <laughs> Why are you on a <laughs> And I just lay there. Yeah.
Nicky Mub, uh, you didn't happen to bring that book along that we were talking about before we left, did you? Well, uh, I figured we were just going to be on a day trip, so I kind of left it at home. Now, uh, I wonder how we're going to get out of this situation here. You think there's a tower on this side, too? Well, it's possible. Uh, we don't really know much about that arcane age that came before the apocalypse and everything, but it's possible that they made an outpost of some sort over here. Yeah, no, I, uh, I haven't any recollection of anything, but it's definitely a keen possibility that they uh, exist in this world. You're telling me that you don't that you don't know anything about how to get back? Uh, not in the slightest. No. Oh man, I'm gonna have an aneurysm after all this is through. Now I. These rock creatures that we're here with, uh, they, I don't know what they are, but they seem to be humanoid, and for some reason they speak our language. Now, if they were natives here, then they probably wouldn't be able to speak common. So I'm a little confluffered by this situation that we find ourselves in. I saw <laughs> some said they were signs here. of previous... Uh, looked a lot of like what I kind of do. I saw some signs of it in their town earlier, but it looks like it's been long forgotten or not well kept i do not understand this mystery that we find ourselves in but a good night's sleep might do just a bit of good for everybody and uh with that he curls up in a little ball and uh turns into a dog and goes to sleep does the sun even set here well you're inside so there's no sun in here (laughs) good night exiak and I curl up with Toby. And at that Lord, at that okay. moment, I walk yeah, up to the no. door of their guest house and knock. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> oh my god! A, a shrill, uh, gobliny voice ca- cries out. Uh, I answer the door. I do a similar bow as before and say, "I apologize for the disturbance. Uh, may I come in?" Yeah, of course. Of course, there's room for another. <laughs> Uh, you see a little uh, furry four-legged animal uh, start making like a kind of sound at you. Where's your fourth companion? That's that is him. He's a uh, he does that sometimes. He can do. Don't that. ask. It's fine. I dismiss it as I've seen a lot of strange things today. I get. I give him a little pet too. <clears throat> I <clears throat> I came to apologize for. My exasperated and angry behavior and temperament today. My father refuses to admit it, but our village is down to a quarter of a bramble fruit per day, and I don't know how much longer we can withstand this, and there's a tremendous amount of pressure on me, and I'm sorry. I will advocate for you tomorrow at the council meeting. I don't know who else to turn to. My eyes narrow, and I say, "Thanks." We appreciate the honesty and trust, Mason. We're we're gonna help you. I mean, we are problem solvers, right? <laughs> In your no, words, no, we're problem. I shrug. <laughs> no, we're problem solvers, and you are advocating for us to help solve your problem. But the one thing we don't exactly know is what is the scale of your problem, and what do you know of this that would help us before we say enter for generations as long as my people have been here and my father and my father's father and his father 
the Brandle fruits have given us enough nutrition and strength and vigor to live relatively peacefully, apart from the evil ones that roam these lands. And as of late, for some unforetold reason, the trees have dried up, they wither, they die, they collapse, and it becomes harder and harder for me to provide for the village. Now, oral tradition has spoke of another group far away from these lands called the Avariel. I'm afraid that if they're real, we may require their help. Beyond that, I'm not sure what other solution my father could come up with. He is doing the best that he can. Where are these evil ones that you guys avoid? Where are they mainly located? Or are they nomadic? They have some tendencies to stick to certain areas. So you're saying if we just take out these guys, then what? We'll teleport back to back to the, the Aragat Desert and everything will be hunky-dory? No, of course not. These are problems that we have to deal with all the time. I'm talking about what lies even further beyond the path of the shale. Now, where's this shale path that you keep speaking of? There's a valley past our village, the opposite direction from whence I brought you here. Between the floating peaks, there are grounds and walls covered with shale. Avalanche problems. However, it leads to, as the legends say, an iron bridge constructed by one of the founders many years ago. If we cross that bridge, that path will, as the stories say, lead us to where these creatures of old, the Averial, are from. That's our best guess. You see the form of the dog uh, switch back into Nicky Mub, the little gnome figure, and he looks at you and says, now, uh, these Avarials that you keep speaking of, what are they like, and why do you keep calling our little bird friend here in in Avarial? Legends say they are creatures not like me and my people, similar, but nimble, frail, and winged. Nobody in our village has seen one in their whole lifetime, so this is the best thing I could go off of. And you claim you are not one? And I motion over to Hirok. I mean, I don't think so. I'm not Yervariel. I'm Aarakocra. I don't think we're related. Would would I know? Like, can I do like a nature check to know that those are two different things or something like that? This is a history check with disadvantage. Are you saying Yervariel or... A V A R I E L. With disadvantage, it comes out to 15. You've never heard of an Avariel? Never heard of an Avariel. Is there a reason why you don't like? I mean, if you never met them, is there a reason why you guys aren't keen to like them? I'm going to roll knowledge history on this one or whatever. Yep. Got to rely on my DM a bit because this is a lot of lore to know. It is. You've been doing great, doing great so far. You are doing pretty guest, good. Guest Casey. I. Uh, I it's only a we, ten because my intelligence is a dumpster fire because we don't really have institutions here in the middle of nowhere. So ten. <laughs> this is true. Ten and uh, take it away, Brad. Tell me what information I know. 
Yeah, you have been told that you don't like the Avario and that your people don't like them, and you never dared question it. I tell that to the group. What I said that Air Coker are from, like the plane of air. That's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and give me a Arcana check, Casey. Casey. Oh! That's another nat 20. Uh, It was for Casey. I'm sorry. (laughs) Matt, you wasted your 20. I wasted it. I have a 1. It was a (laughs) 2 minus 1. 1. As far as you know, besides the place where the original founders came from and where you live now, there is nothing else in this universe. Oh, snap. That's all I know. That's all you know. Do you know where this path is? I ventured out further along the path, but never close enough to make any sight of this iron bridge. The further we get down that path, the more unsuitable creatures come my way, so best to be wise. Now, let's say you were heading down this path of shale here, and you had a couple of... Uh, mighty warriors at your side. Yes, that's what we're speaking of. <laughs> oh, okay. Just just making sure we're all on the same page here. Yeah, good job. Catch up here, Rummy Cub. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> and with that, I say, barring any more questions, rest well. Good night, good sir. Please, call me Mason. Mason, you feel the familiar shaking underneath your feet as you're walking out the door. <laughs> I stabilize just fine. Uh, yeah, do Mason, I notice him stabilize? Mason stops in his tracks before you guys feel anything, but sooner than later, another earthquake uh, takes over, and the building moves with the earthquake, but you guys are getting tossed around the room. <laughs> Dang it. And eventually, no, most of you are already prone, so. I'm laying down. I'm going to say everybody takes one point of damage from getting tossed around. And then... If this ends up with somebody dying, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> well, aren't we taking a long rest, hopefully? You are. Yeah, you okay, are. Good deal. Throughout the night, there are several intervals at which the earthquakes take over. Some of them are more intense. Some of them are less intense. But it takes much longer to get a full night's sleep than you would think it normally would. But you guys do get a full night's rest eventually in the morning wake up to uh no change in light from outside but to a point where you just can't really take the insomnia anymore of in and out of sleep to where you are technically by game standards fully rested but your minds uh are not as rested as they should be uh all right i'll step outside all right uh the village is empty and you hear noises coming from the large building where you first entered and I look up to the sky and there's no light change. No light change. Well, we must have missed sunrise. I sit down on the steps and pull out a, my, my canteen and some rations and I, I uh, just nibble away as I wait for everyone else to get up. Yeah, when I get up, I play music for the others. I'm not feeling good and I'm assuming they're not feeling the same. So uh, just trying to make it as easy a morning as possible. I'm sure. taking my morning to prepare my spills. You got it. You guys rest your eyes a little bit, but still feel a little bit under the weather and walk outside and go towards the sound of the commotion. You step toward the uh, 
city hall and you see most of these earth creatures are lined around the walls on their knees listening to three figures in the center arguing about what should be done and you don't understand what they're saying because they're speaking in primordial except for you marcus who understand exactly what is going the three figures here are mason and the chief brimstone and a really skinny genasi that you have earth creature that you haven't seen as of yet and you hear the skinny earth creature say well here's the thing I think that we just need to keep the status quo. Nothing should be changed that does not need to be changed. If we go outside of our city borders, the Dow will know and they will demand payment like they have for such a long time. Our stores are running mightily thin and we cannot risk another insurgence. Am I free to respond? You are. The trees are dying. What other choice do we have? Face the Dow or starve? We are safe as we are. The bramble trees will regrow. We just need to wait and be patient. How many more cycles do we have until that happens? We can wait. We have weathered far worse than this. I sigh. Ah, it seems that our uh, guests have arrived. Please take a seat and remain silent. Uh, What do we miss, Marcus? We'll let you know after. I I shrug. (laughs) Okay. They keep speaking in primordial. Uh, the skinny one says, Now our gold stores, which have served us well, are about to run dry. I'd say that if we send any sort of raid party out looking for some sort of solution, that we are risking the wrath of those who cursed us in the first place. It does not seem like a wise idea. I am inclined to agree with my friend here. Slick, thank you for your words of counsel and guidance. I shake my head. Well, if the council is in agreement, then I suppose that we shall not send out any sort of raid party or search party. And that is the final decision. I stand up and say in primordial, excuse me. (laughs) Instantly, you see two Genasi stand, uh, earth creatures, stand up. And they're Genasi, okay, everybody, they're Genasi stand up with their weapons drawn and point them directly at you. <laughs> Holy. Very nice. I look at Exiac and I'm whoa, like, whoa. oh my I'll gosh. stand up. I'll stand up. I stand up next to Marcus, actually. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hands raised. I, I stand up and I go, I think this is just a, you know, a bit of a, a foresight, I, I almost feel like. I feel like you're not really understanding the drasticness of the situation. You see us as visitors, but we did not come here by our own fruition. There were powers at stake here that brought us here. The same powers that plague your lands have plagued ours to the point where it has forced us to come here. If you do not act, how long will this small village be safe? By my calculations, I give you three weeks. The stores having little gold at that point won't matter. Uh, when you say that, you hear there's a little, uh, the little voice that ran up to you yesterday uh, tugs on the cloak of an older female Genasi, and you hear her, him whisper in Primordial, What's a week? <laughs> <laughs> I turn to my father and say, This one makes a good point. Perhaps the next thing to fall into the dusted wastes isn't so kind. And then they come and raid our village. 
you hear a lot of murmuring around the council room when you say this. I, I, I also go, I'd like to make this deal a little bit sweeter. Why risk your own people when you can risk strangers you just met? <laughs> Send us with a guide. I gesture to Mason. And uh, if we return back and your village is saved, we were right. If Mason returns alone, we were wrong. And what if my son, the defender of this village and its future, does not return? The village dies with it. You hear, like, shouts start echoing from across the room as people stand up and start angrily shouting at you. The weapons that were drawn at you get pointed more directly and ferociously. And I turn to my father in the commotion and say, I'm ready, I'm ready. Son, I cannot risk your life. It is my choice to make. You see that there's a moment of lapse and weakness in his eyes. Go ahead and give me a persuasion check. Oh, baby. It's gonna oh, suck, boy. I bet. It's kind of important, so. Jeffrey, that was a good speech. Thank you. Yeah, I wish it I was knew. only a 12. Uh-oh, is Brad rolling? Is he checking I something? I did. And I'll send a picture of this 11 to you guys Whoa. later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You see, the there's a tension as the room erupts in chaos as you lock eyes with your father, looking up at him but not wavering your gaze as the purple eyes pierce into each other. You take your axe and slam it on the ground, firmly planting your feet and showing that you are not going anywhere. As you do that, the r- ground rumbles beneath your feet as another earthquake takes over, and all of the genasi in the room plant their feet as you guys need to make another strength-saving throw. Do I notice this? Can I get advantage by seeing this coming? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Gosh, dang it. Haha, 18. Suck it, 18. Ooh, Ooh nice. Ooh, nice. Nice. Uh, 13 <laughs> minus 1, 12. Yeah, but did you stand up with us? Uh, here, you're uh, still on the ground. Yeah, I was still sitting. Yeah, Nicky Mub jumped to his feet and rolled a 3, so Nicky Mub's down. <laughs> but that's fine. He's... Mm-hmm. he's uh, the, the room eventually comes back to being still and uh, it gets quiet as you are in this deadlock with your father. And as you are staring at him, you hear a voice uh, from across the room go, well, I, I, I think that you should let him go, dad. Father, father, you should let him go. It's, it's what the founders would have wanted. You see your father breaks his gaze with you and turns over and looks over at uh, Marcel and he says, it appears I have no choice in this matter. Do not die. And he sits back down and closes his eyes and goes to sleep. I I kneel to him despite the fact that he's asleep out of respect. Uh, Marcel runs up to you and he's like shaking you with excitement. He's like, oh my goodness, you are going to get to go and have the most awesome time of your life. You need to tell me everything about it when you get back. All right. Make sure you detail the bridge. Make sure you take notes. I want to see everything. And also don't die to the Dow because that would be really unfortunate. Okay. I I go, (laughs) Marcel, please watch over the village while I'm gone uh, and pray for our safety. It will be perilous. I'm sure of it. Oh, oh, for sure. We will pray to whoever uh, I choose that the village should be praying to today. I turn at the problem solvers. You see everybody is starting to file out of the room as the decision has been reached. And uh, Mason stands there looking at you guys. I smile at the angry faces as they <laughs> pass me. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank I you. I keep Thank my you so trap shut. All right. I walk up to the group and say, when do we leave? Wait, what just how do you tell, uh How do you tell when is morning in this, uh, in this land? When do you What speak? is a morning? <laughs> I like this already. That's, well, that's unfortunate. When do you sleep? When do you rest? We rest when our cycles demand it. Okay. How far along before your cycle demands another rest? I'm plenty rested. <laughs> then we should head off immediately. And so we must. Let's go. Have our heading. <laughs> <laughs> I give I give Exiox a thumbs up as that was an okay thing to say. <laughs> I, I I shake my head like whatever. Marcus, as you lead them outside uh, of the city walls, you hear a tiny set of footsteps run up behind you as you see Lobber runs up and tugs on your leg and says, Mar- <clears throat> Marcel said to give you this. And he hands up a little uh, item wrapped in parchment. I take a quick peek. Uh, it's just a little brown package tied up with string. Tell him thank you very much. I begin to open it as we walk away. All right. As he leads you away from the city walls, you open it up and you see inside there is a little mechanical bird in there. Mm. Ooh. Uh, while we're walking, I'm going to ritual cast uh, identify on it. Sure. You see that this has faint um, abjuration runes on it. And... Uh, it's definitely of the abjuration school of magic and it is broken and does not properly function. But if you were to sit down with it for a while, you could probably fix it to whatever it uh, is supposed to be. Got it. As you guys continue walking, Mason leads you around the edge of the base of these floating peaks with these multi-ton rocks above your heads and leads you around a corner into a narrow valleyway that steeps up for hundreds of feet on both sides. The ground underneath your feet begins to crack as you step on it. It doesn't give way to anything below it, but every sound that you or every step that you make makes a sound that echoes throughout the canyon here as uh, underneath your feet and along the sides are what uh, the valley here has its name for, sake for shale. And Real homie. I'm going to ask our guide. How many times have you traveled this path before? Six or seven times, but not too far. Do you know the path well? I will take you as far as I can. And then beyond that, it's about knowing the legends of my people. Well, that's reassuring. I uh, go well on our way, and I pluck one of uh, Herox's feathers. Uh... And I'm going to cast the spell Enhance Ability. I'm going to give you Owl's Wisdom. You have advantage on wisdom checks, so that's survival, right? For the next hour. Sweet. Nice. Who has that? On Casey, right? Uh, Yeah, on our guide. On Mason. On our guide, Mason. Well, good timing, because I need you to make a survival check. Hey. And what did you give me? Yeah. Plus four... You have you have advantage on wisdom oh, checks. Advantage. Even better. Okay, nineteen. Nice. It doesn't take you long before you get to the farthest point that you've ever been before, and 
without mentioning it to the group, you step beyond it with uh, confidence. You continue along the path and it's not much of a hard decision to see which way you need to be heading, but eventually you get to a point where you've never been to, to before. The path of shale uh, forks off in two different directions, one leading to the left and one leading to the right that go on two opposite sides of a mountain that rises up in the center. This mountain is a little bit different than the others in that the top of it is more of a crater where the rock that would be filling into that crater floats about 50 feet above it and has been scattered into a bunch of several different chunks. This mountain is unfamiliar to you and you don't know if you should take the left or the right path. As you sit here considering it, you look off to the left and you see that there is just the ever faintest sign of an avalanche that has recently cascaded down there and that there is a bit higher terrain of buried rubble uh and you can do that information as you will we go to the right <laughs> do the rocks look naturally taken apart or does it look unnatural the give way me the a shattered? survival check oh dang uh, oh that is a dirty 20 Ooh. rolled a nat 19 Something about it is a little uneasy to you. I turn around to the group as we start heading down the right side of the path and say, How is everyone? Everyone doing okay? I'm okay. I put Toby on radar mode. He is now... Uh, he's, he's not just, you know, actively, per, you know, or using his passive perception, uh, which is 15, and he's just scanning <laughs> constantly now. Well, I'm a little antsy, but I'm okay. Yeah, going in a full turn. Yeah, I don't like this whole earthquake thing, but I mean, if it that's what it takes. Mason, you feel a familiar shake underneath your feet. I roll survival <laughs> to know what it's familiar of. <laughs> uh, it's, the, it's an it's, it's another earthquake coming at you. Okay, <laughs> I uh, turn back and say, "Brace yourselves." You, oh, you, you what? <laughs> I, I, I immediately know what he's saying. I grab the closest r big rock. Everybody in the party braces themselves as a whole bunch of shale starts coming down from the sides and loosely buries your ankles up to your thigh. Uh, Exioc and Hirok and uh, Nikki Mub, all the short people get buried up to the thigh in loose pieces of rock that tumbles down from the sides of the pathway here. And the earthquake lasts longer than any of the ones that you had previously experienced. And that unsettles you just a little bit, uh, Mason. Eventually the earthquake does end and you see that your party is uh, partly buried within the shale here and you just stand right on top of it. But something about that earthquake itself was off. <clears throat> I say, Quick, quick, get up, get up. I shuffle out I of the I try shale. and pick up uh, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I allow I, it. I help the bird bard. Yeah, I try to get out. Yep. Nicky Mub gets himself out of there and uh, says, oh, Intarnation, what is going on here? Well, wow, are we just going to keep keep standing here? Yeah, and I try and pick up the pace and move move forward. All right. You uh, start walking at a quicker pace, moving further down the path. The 
path continues in a straight line moving forward through the valley and you don't have an issue finding where you're supposed to be going. As you're walking along, you feel tremors under the earth that feel different from what you were expecting the next earthquake to be. They feel more intentional, almost like there are footsteps underneath you as you're walking. And you turn around and try to see if that might be matching the footsteps of the people beneath behind you and your party. And something about it feels very, very different from what you thought it was going to be. Can I do a nature check to kind of think like, is this like the sand elementals where there's elementals beneath us that we don't know about? No one feels this except for Mason. I'm going to take a risk and instinctively I'm going to turn around put the whole span of my arms out and try and grab the entirety of the party and kind of like throw myself down to the side of one of the valley. And I'm going to cast Pass Without Trace, which is called Merge with Stone for the Genasi ability. And I'm going to effectively blend in with the side of the mountain like in Lord of the Rings with those capes. And that will... Say, thus, a veil of shadows and silence radiates from you, masking you and your companions from detection. For the duration, each creature you choose within 30 feet of you, including you, has a plus 10 bonus to dexterity, checks, and can't be tracked except by magical means. A creature that receives this bonus leaves behind no tracks or other traces of its passage. We're going to try and hide this one out. As you turn and grapple everyone to the ground, uh, everyone, as you see Marcus coming at you to tackle you, what do you do? You mean Mason? Mason. That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> I allow it. I, I'm, I'm out of my depth here. Yeah, same. Yeah, if I, I, I accept that whatever he's doing, he's doing for a reason at this point. Uh, him attacking me out of nowhere makes no sense, and I'll just, you know, if he did, I'll just fight him back <laughs> in a second. <laughs> All right. It looks like everybody allows you to tackle them to the ground, Mason. As you push them in, you. Uh, surround them and expand your body to allow the energy to flow through. You take a deep breath and exhale. And as you do, a shadow darkness surrounds the party as you guys drift into the shadows of the rocks. As you do this, a fist emerges from the ground and punches its way upward into the sky. You see two glowing green eyes, very reminiscent of the yellow eyes that you saw in the desert as a stocky creature of rock puts both of his fists down on the ground like a gorilla. A second later, another fist appears out of the ground as another one looking just like it also emerges. And you see them stand there, turning their heads around, being completely still. And they do not notice you. But at the beginning of next session, we will begin with stealth checks to see if you guys can make it out of this. Oh, my word. (laughs) I defecate myself. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Roll for poop. And it is the end of the episode, so we need to talk about our Patreon and our Afterburners, which are on the Patreon. Our Patreon, we have patrons on Patreon, and they are in the world of Yetzira, the overworld, and they are struggling through the desert. So as they have been out wandering the desert, they are going to encounter something today, which is a, it's a little bit different. We're going to want to know what you guys think about this new take on the denizen. Starting off, of course, with Meg the Manic Pixie, who just bought a doll that is the size of her with leather boots and a bright 
leather vest, and bright orange boots. Instead of using the doll as a new friend, she took the clothes, put them on, and discarded the doll like an old boyfriend. <laughs> Meg decided to fully embrace the look and shaved her head down to a quarter inch, a true pixie indeed. <laughs> Keith, the captain of the Destune Fire Brigade, is leading the pack and has taken it upon himself to determine when and where to set up camp. Most of the time, this is met uh, uncontested, but one night, he decided to set up camp next to a sinkhole. Keith fell asleep, but was awoken later to the sound of screaming. <gasps> and we have Joe, the scrawny Goliath, is feeling pretty drained after exerting so much energy trekking across the desert. When Keith said it was time to set up camp, he put his tent only to find out his legs were starting to bulk up just a bit. Joe stayed up most of the night, marrying his legs, until the sound of screams pulled him from his thoughts. Derek, the one-eyed lizard folk from nowhere, is now officially acquaintances with the former official tour guide of Destin. Upon reaching acquaintance status, Derek decided to make more acquaintances in the only way he knew how. He set up a tall chair at camp and kept a careful watch over the town with his whistle at the ready. Partway through his watch, he saw something moving in the shadows beyond the edge of the sinkhole. He called over Sophie to investigate. Sophie, the former official Destun tour guide, saw the lizard man pointing towards the sinkhole. She took off her tour guide hat and put on her sleuthing hat. She crept up to the edge of the pit and saw a giant snake head moving its way up the sands toward the camp. Then another, and then another. Oh, Sophie no. let out a scream and ran backwards to get a militia together to fight off the snakes. Casey, the wandering gypsy from Trashboro, <laughs> uh, heard the <laughs> screams uh, and... Knew the village was under attack. Casey instinctively thought to himself, never, never to let a good tragedy go to waste, and immediately began his construction of the Undertaker's shop. He dove into <laughs> his tent and began manly scribing and market and making signs so he could get a monopoly on all the dead bodies about to roll on in. <laughs> That's so morbid. <laughs> and Tyra, the half-elf sorceress from elsewhere, rushed outside with her futuristic gobules of mass magical destiny and inevitable fate of doom also known as her Fagomdafod. the dancing lights illuminated three monsters with snake heads and lizard bodies the dreaded slizzards that were rumored to roam the desert she jumped into action casting firebolt at the biggest one managed to make it angry and began charging her before tyre could react a dark figure leaped out of the pit behind the slizzards with something glowing in his hands we got a live one boys a new one, Noah, the desert paladin of charismatic swagger, has been tracking the <laughs> lizards through their tunnels for days. And he has finally caught up with them as they breached the surface and began attacking the village. He summoned the strength of his glutes and leapt out of the sand, his swords blazing in the night sky, and decapitated the big one. Just as the other two were about to eat his face, a woman with a Sherlock Holmes hat sent a flying back kick into one of on his left, and a giant lizard man bit into the one on his right. A pixie dressed in a biker outfit dive-bombed the one on the right with a dagger, flying in one eye and out the other. Gross. An eight-foot-tall man grabbed one on the left's neck and squeezed until its eyes popped out. A bolt of fire whizzed past his face and struck the one on the right in the chest. Following close behind, a man with a bucket ran over and dumped what looks like cactus juice on the slithered that got hit in the firebolt. As the dust settled... <laughs> A gypsy-looking man, carrying a sign, walked out of a tent. 
and he broke it over his knee. <laughs> Noah looked around at all the people who had leapt into action, and he grinned. Thank you to our patrons. <laughs> so many things happened. Holy cow. I got the long one. Yeah, you did. So uh, that was kind of fun. Uh, thank you once again to our patrons and thank you to your patience as we are getting back on our release schedule. Um, we want to make sure you guys know where to reach us at our social medias. Tommy, what are they? Well, we're on Facebook, Fire and Dice Podcast. We're on Twitter, Fire and Dice Podcast. Ask us questions over there so we can answer them in our uh, afterburners. Mm-hmm. That would be great. We are also on Instagram and uh, where we post pictures and memes sometimes and uh, we're also on Reddit uh, at r slash fire and dice. And I have been pleasantly surprised by some of the memes that you guys have been posting. It's been it's been a good time. So let's keep that art. up. There's oh, and the fan too. art. Oh, yeah. yeah. And excellent. So we we love to hear from you guys and see what you guys are doing. So thank you, Absolutely. everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Jeffrey, are we sponsored? Farmers only, Jack. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. Matt, anything you want to say? Uh, forgot I'm default. <laughs> thank you, Matt. And thank you to all of you for sticking through to the end of the episode. We will catch you next time on Fire and Dice. All right.